the year just flew by as we revisit the top three most listened to Precision Farming Dealer podcasts of 2022. I'm your host, Noah Newman, Associate Editor. Great to have you with us as always. Let's jump right into the countdown, checking in at number three, Ag Express, Vice President of Sales and Marketing, Jim Steinke. Managing Editor Michaela Paulkner caught up with Steinke to talk about the 30th anniversary of Ag Express Electronics and how the company has evolved over the years. Let's listen in. My name is Jim Steinke. I am Vice President of Sales and Marketing for Ag Express Electronics. I'm in charge of the marketing and sales efforts of Ag Express. I was employee number 24 in 1998, and we have over 170 employees now. Wow. That's, that's pretty, pretty solid, sustainable growth. Mm-hmm. And it's all caused by being forward thinking in the industry and, and sticking to our core values and sticking to our brand promise. And if we do that, I, I, I know that we'll be, be around for another 30 years helping the industry. What was your role when you first started there? I'm tired as a technician. Go back 10 years. All Hag Express hired is technicians. I'm a technician to do basically everything, right? A technician at, the, at that time in Ag Express's world was a salesperson, a production worker. We were an accounting clerk. Uh, we were shipping department, inventory control, a maintenance team. And we found time to fix stuff, too. <laughs> <laughs> so then we had to develop a little bit differently. We had to go about things and be more intentional. Your technicians were pulled in so many different directions. So we started looking at the different jobs that a technician does and splitting them up and hiring people to do that and do that better. You hire professionals to do some of the stuff that we were doing. And you and you get a little bit more efficient in your hiring practices. Technicians were doing an awful lot and we weren't able to be as effective as we could have been. And so hiring salespeople to do that, hiring production workers, hiring engineers to do their jobs has been a blessing and has, has really triggered a lot of our growth. Do you think it was an advantage for you to have started as a technician now looking at what you do now? Absolutely. If I wasn't a technician, I wouldn't value the whole Ag Express story. Mm-hmm. And I see it from a perspective. I see everything that I do from a perspective of a service technician and how I'm going to affect that person at the bench, how, how bringing on this product line for us to sell might affect that person. Knowing the ins and outs of the tractors and the combines and the sprayers and the balers and the moisture testers from a service standpoint has really been a blessing. And it makes me better at what I do because I, I understand it, I think, at a higher level. Mm-hmm. One of the things that is a challenge in our industry is teaching the agricultural concepts, you know, fully learning why and how planting works or spraying applicant chemical application, the different kinds and stuff like that. That has always been a challenge. But from a technician, I, I was able to create that as I built test boxes and as I built custom solutions for, for testing equipment and repaired stuff 
it, it brought that out of me personally. I don't think I'd be as good at what I do if I didn't have that background. I was a technician for a long time, Zag Express. I had a lot of different roles and changed roles several times across the over the my my tenure at Ag Express from just regular technician to service manager of location to operations manager and then into sales and marketing. When the ownership retired in in seventeen, uh, into seventeen, I was given the responsibility of the sales and marketing efforts of Ag Express. But it was a part of my job as the operations manager of the Grand Island location. And I couldn't give everything to it. And about a year and a half later, the decision was made to move me fully into this role. And so Q4 of 2018 or 2019, I mean, I was fully moved into this role as sales and marketing. And given the responsibility of development and growth of the sales efforts of Ag Express. And, uh, I truly am a blessed person. I've known that for a long, long time. And I work for a really good company that respects its employees, takes care of its employees, and honors its customer base to the highest level. Agriculture is probably the greatest industry you can ever work in. And for whatever reason, a lot of people don't understand it. They don't seek it out until they're in it or they grew up in it. Because mm-hmm. it's just the, the people that we work with, the people that we work for, you use the term salt of the earth, and people are just have a different level of understanding, trust, belief system. Some industries don't have it. They don't, and, and unfortunately, those industries struggle sometimes. So, mm-hmm. again, I'm, I, I feel like I'm blessed to be a part of the agriculture industry, too, and I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah, me too. I feel like this is a great place to be, and I'm glad to be here too. And I know Ag Express is celebrating its 30th anniversary this year, and you guys have an interesting startup story. Could you tell us a little bit about that story and how you got started? Well, we got started back in 1992, again, 30 years ago, and four previous owners of Ag Express worked for Dickie John. Dickie John is a major electronics manufacturer in agriculture. And at the time they worked at Dickie John as a service center. They had, Dickie John had six outside service centers. And they decided at that time to pull all of their external service centers into one location, Auburn, Illinois, and to kind of close down all the external service centers. Well, the, the original ownership Decided they didn't want to do that. They didn't want to move their families to Illinois. They didn't want to walk that route. So they devised a plan to keep doing what they were doing, fixing ag electronics in the same cities that they were in. Ironically enough, actually the same buildings that they were in at that time. So they started Ag Express, went around in that first year, built relationships with other manufacturers in ag, and developed some relationships with them. So uh, Ag Express was formed by being able to repair to the component level Ag Electronics. Over the years, we have kind of developed into kind of changed our business format and things as, as you kind of organically grow. Uh, we grew into a company that could provide solutions, cable solutions in particular, and 
started building wiring harnesses. The natural fit was to build uh, planter harnesses. We fixed a lot of planter monitors. And then all of a sudden we, we start fixing and repairing, you know, speed sensors and sprayer controls and baler monitors. All of that needs that harnessing. So we developed a harness program, a custom harness program that at the time when it first started, back when I started in 1998, it was just basically technicians that were building it. When we weren't fixing stuff or talking on the phone, troubleshooting things, we were building harnesses, so that's producing them. Or you'd have a, a seasonal help, a part-time seasonal help doing uh, some cable production also. Two, now we have a team of people, four locations with four production facilities. And on that team, we probably have, you know, quickly add me enough in my head, 45 people building, building cables in four different locations. It's pretty good, pretty good growth over the course of time, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. So back in the days when the four previous owners were working for Dickie John, how did they get the business off the ground? Did they encounter any issues? There's all kinds of issues at the beginning, right? You have to forge the relationship. So you have to find the people that you need to talk to at the different manufacturers. You have to market who you are. And back in the early 90s, it was different. There was no social media, no no real websites, things like that. It was the internet wasn't a real deal. So we went to a bunch of farm shows and it was basically a grassroots boots on the ground. One of the owners himself did an awful lot of traveling around to to make these relationships. And then they it was a very localized aspect of Ag Express at that time. You know, at that time we had three different locations, one in Grand Island, Nebraska, one in Des Moines, Iowa and one in Sulphur Springs, Indiana. And we were very focused on those local areas, right? The Iowa, Nebraska, and Indiana. Even though we had, uh, we grew, and you could see some growth across the country, it was mainly in those states or neighboring states uh, that we had most of our business. And it was all repair business at that time also. Obstacles, besides being able to get the word out of what we were doing and how we were doing it and why we existed in the world. We weren't a Dickie John dealer anymore. We didn't have access to Dickie John parts and Dickie John was somebody that was a major player in the game. So we had to, we had to figure out a lot of stuff on our own. Um, from, from repair side of things, you, there's different you get schematics to tell you where to go to, to fix things, theory of operation, testing so we had to build all our own test equipment if you were to see the test equipment that our technicians use today some of it is still the same original test equipment that we had back then and we had to draw out and and acquire some te- some of the schematics by um, technicians just sitting at a table drawing out what the circuit looked like those were difficult times but you learn how to pair stuff fairly easily and quicker that way Um, when you have those challenges in front of you. Great stuff there from Jim, our third most listened to podcast of 2022. Now you can hear our next guest at the upcoming Precision Farming Dealer Summit, January 9th in St. Louis. It's coming up. There's still time to register. Head to precisionfarmingdealer.com for more information. Or, hey, you can shoot me an email at innewman at lessetermedia.com. Okay, our second most listened to podcast of the year features Titan Machinery's Sam Christensen. 
the director of precision and machine control systems, talks about his company's new partnership with ag tech company Augmenta. Let's listen in. Here's Sam and Michaela. Right now, it currently is a real-time variable rate application device. So it is utilizing a stereo camera, which they just came out with like their third generation of it. So very new hardware that was engineered, like very forward-looking with like the computing power engineered into it to add some of the features that they're working on. So there's a stereo camera up on your roof. It's got, I believe there are six forward facing cameras. And then there's also like a weather camera that looks up at the sky. And those are reading like infrared and light spectrum. So they're, they're reading the biomass of the crop and then they're also analyzing like the chlorophyll saturation and content. Mm. So real time crop health reading. And they're looking out approximately 60 feet in front of your, whether it's a sprayer or a tractor you can mount it on really anything. So that's the device. And then it's controlled by a tablet in your cab. And that just tees into your harness for your ISO monitor. It's going to splice in information, essentially. It's reading what you're telling your sprayer to do, and it's going to change that message on the way through. It's not currently going to vary by section on your sprayer. It's varying your whole boom. But like your section control or your variable rate prescription that you have would be still doing whatever that was going to vary as far as sectionality goes. So if you have an AIMFLEX 2 system, you know, and that does turn compensating, let's say, or a Hawkeye 2 system, that system on its own is still going to be doing that variability. This system is just bumping rate up or down based on what it's seeing for crop health and crop density. So then is the program and the system itself making the changes automatically? The farmer doesn't have to go in there? Okay. And it makes you a map of that that you can overlay So if you had a prescription map from your agronomist, this is one of the cool things. Other technologies like this kind of, it seems like, aim to replace your agronomist, where the name of this system is augmented, and it's truly augmenting whatever you or your agronomist or your machine are trying to do. Mm -hmm. So if you're using a, a prescription from an agronomist and you have that variable rate loaded in there, your machine is still going to utilize that for controlling its base. All this system is doing is relaying back the crop density and crop health, and it's going to take that base up or down. And you put in the parameters for what controls that. So as the grower, if the system logic to you is that I want to spend what I was going to spend on my inputs anyway, and I want to like go for a, a yield bump, then you could maybe put that target rate a little bit higher than you originally intended to and put the minimum down a little bit lower than you originally intended to go. And it's going to give your healthier areas of your field a little bit more than your base rate. And it's going to cut those unhealthy areas to a little bit less than your base rate Mm -hmm. automatically on the go. That seems like it would be really valuable, especially now with the high input prices. Exactly. That was why I thought it would be super attractive. 
your ROI is like even faster right now in this current environment with the inputs being what they are. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that was really exciting about it, which, you know, timing is a little bit of timing is everything as they say, but you have, whether it's um, deer or like precision planting at their winter conference, I'm sure you heard a lot about that. Um, you know, everybody's focusing on that segment of the market right now. Mm-hmm. And this is what a lot of them are talking about having in a year or two. Like this already has some of those capabilities. I think this is already really breakthrough in itself because nobody else is able to do this real-time variable on the fly. Looking forward, a lot of what we've heard from um, potential competitors to this, John Deere and Precision Planting, because I feel like they're probably the two biggest megaphones in this marketing area. Either of their two products, it looks like, their systems are going to take multiple devices to cover your boom. Mm. And this is all running off of that one camera device and it's covering up to a 150 foot area where investment wise, this is going to be significantly like at a cost advantage compared to our competitors. Mm-hmm. Those ones, from what I've heard, it could be anywhere from six to 10 devices to cover your boom. And then you've got devices on a boom, maybe getting dew or mud or chemical splashed on them where this one's going to be up on top of your cab you know, safely out of the way of all those other elements. Recently, Titan Machinery announced that it was partnering with Augmenta. And how did that partnership come about? So I've been the director of precision farming and machine control since, I believe, like, August 1st was kind of effective date. But then I had to continue running the two dealerships I was running for a month or two after that. But in July, so even before we had announced um, anything as far as me changing my position, Preston Tolstead, the representative for Augmenta, be our regional sales rep, was already coming into me. Uh, He knows one of my sales guys. So he was already coming into me, kind of putting the bug in my ear about it. Then as soon as the announcement was made with me changing positions, he started um, asking me about how it works to like get all of Titan mm-hmm. signed up as a dealer. And so um, really I, I kind of had to explain to him, which we do with most vendors, that um, the way we're set up, I don't, at our corporate office, I don't order stuff for stores. And like I can't, you know, flick my pen and sign them up for something that none of them have asked to be signed up for. So um, the way I told it to him was I facilitated several meetings, you know, teams meetings and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then um, he had invited us to send as many people as we wanted down to a field day that they had this winter in Arkansas. And basically to kind of see real world so that we're not just talking about what it does. I had lined up the meetings and, and I had several stores interested in the technology. And then I did get a store to send one of our more senior specialists down there who's like particularly focused on sprayers. And when that guy came back from that field demo, he told me, this is the real deal. It really works. Mm-hmm. Once he was on board, he talked to his manager and 
he ordered up, and then one of our other stores that was very interested in it also ordered up early. And from there, we had to meet like a minimum order requirement, which, um, like I had told them before, I can't just order stuff. But so um, Preston then went store to store to the other stores that we had talked to and kind of accumulated the orders required to meet that minimum. And so once we met the minimum, then we could sign up as a dealer. Mm-hmm. So you talked a lot about the customer benefits of this. And what are some of the benefits to the dealership to have this partnership with Augmenta? Well, as far as like a product offering, um, for the dealer side of it, this works on any brand of sprayer as long as it's got an ISO monitor. So we can go on a competitor's farm. We can go on our our normal customer base's farm. We can market this to people pulling pull-type sprayers or pull-type side dress applicators or we can stick with the self-propelled guys. Our audience is very broad with it. And then it's got a decent margin to it. Our pool of prospective buyers is really big. And then we're gonna make money on each product that we sell. From a support side, um, it's a non-repairable device or a non-serviceable device, if that makes sense, the way I say that. So we aren't gonna be out with a screwdriver taking apart that camera something doesn't work in there mm-hmm. and then the tablet like we're obviously not going to be taking apart your tablet so if those don't work troubleshoot over the phone we might go out and push buttons in person but if we can't get to it that way the support is over the air from augmenta which i think is pretty cool and they can tell when they log in or you know take your device if it needs to be sent in they tell you to send it in they do the repair or replace the device and send you a new one. So from like a service requirement standpoint, it's not huge. The install time is very short, like an hour, maybe hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And you've got this thing installed. And then if this thing fails, if something's not working on it, like this fails off to the side, you can bypass it. Worst case scenario, Maybe you have to spray for that day or two just doing your normal variable rate application or your normal flat rate application. That's worst case scenario. So it's not like having a row clutch fail and then that row's not planting. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, this is just a something you can bypass if you want to, if you need to. Right. So that's another benefit on both the customer and dealer side, it sounds like. Correct, yeah. It's like a fail-safe, if you want to call it that. And then I know you mentioned that Titan had to meet that minimum order requirement for this partnership to happen. So just wondering if if there's any other things that you guys have to do as part of the partnership. Yeah, um, when we sell, so at the... For the dealerships who haven't ordered a device yet, when they order their first device, they're going to have some training required as far as how to install the system and then how to set up the system. Mm-hmm. And then likely they'll have like Preston or some member of their team will go out to the field with them when it actually when they do their first field startup. Okay. So they do train us on how to run the device and everything. 
and we're headed to the Ohio State University for the most listened to Precision Farming Dealer podcast of 2022. Scott Shear, Chair of Department of Food, Agricultural, and Biological Engineering at OSU, caught the attention of our listeners with this conversation about John Deere's introduction of the autonomous 8R tractor. Shearer shares what surprised him about the announcement and talks about his predictions for the future of autonomous farm equipment. I was wondering what your thoughts were and if the announcement of an autonomous tractor to be used for tillage was something that you expected. I'm going to say yes. I guess I'm a little surprised by the timing. What surprises you about the timing? I I think it's an interesting space. And when I look around, and and I'm going to talk about the big three manufacturers, the Agcos, the CNH Industrial, and the Deers. I think when I look individually at everything the companies are doing, they're all moving towards increasingly autonomous equipment. And, and I guess what I'm saying is when I look at auto steer, when I look at end of row turns, you know, gradually these companies are removing increasingly more and more control. They're removing it from the operator of the piece of equipment. In other words, the person sitting in the cab of the tractor is really kind of being relegated to a and this is probably an unfair term, but really a, a, a human monitor for performance of that piece of equipment in the in the field, okay? Some people might say the human's a babysitter now. I don't think that's quite the way it is, but one of the things is when you have a human in the tractor cab responsible for the operation, obviously that uh, takes care of a lot of potential product liability as well as liability on the part of the farmer. So when I say I was a little surprised that Deere made the announcement of a fully autonomous tractor, I guess what I'm saying is I, I think it's coming, and, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how Deere rolls out access to this fully autonomous 8R. Um, relative to the tillage operation, I see that as more than likely one of the first operations to be automated. And my point is with tillage, you can be off a little bit, and, and nobody's going to get too upset. Um, When I look at automated seeding operations, if you're off on those a little bit, everybody sees that for the rest of the growing season. Automated tillage, automated spraying operations, those make a lot of sense as this automation is kind of in its infancy. The the other thing I'm going to remind you is we knew Deer was headed in this direction by virtue of their purchases, okay? They bought Blue River. um, They bought Bear Flag Robotics. And so... Everything kind of told me they were moving in this direction. I was just a little surprised with the, uh, the the timing of the announcement in some respects. And one of the other things I'm going to observe is, let's not forget that um, C&H Industrial purchased Raven at the end of 2021. We can make a lot of statements about a lot of different things, but the one thing we do know about Raven is they had two um, autonomous products in the marketplace. What was behind Deere's um, public announcement of the fact that they're going to market that fully autonomous ADAR, I don't know. I can't get inside of the mind of the leadership of Deere other than to say, in general, I think we have manufacturers like Agco, manufacturers like CNH Industrial and Deere moving away from historically their role as an iron company into being a technology company. And I don't think anybody would dispute that statement. Um, that I've made. There have been reports that John Deere is going to offer the autonomous tractor as a service. Um, Do you have thoughts about the logical options for how Deere would go about this? 
you know, I thought somewhere in that 45-minute press conference, I heard that they were going to rent or lease the, these uh, ADAR tractors, these autonomous tractors, for the first couple of years. I don't know what the marketing strategy is or the marketing plan is, other than to say as this technology get, gets rolled out, my guess is Deere's going to learn a lot, and that's going to translate into upgrades to the product as time goes along. I think everybody understands that um, Deere is probably in a position where they feel comfortable making the announcement and beginning to roll out the product in some form or fashion. But like I said, there's still this, this liability issue and who's going to assume that liability. I think it was kind of interesting at the Precision Farming Dealer meeting that uh, the, the three companies that you had on stage talking about AutoCard and now what has been renamed OmniDrive had various ways of handling any liability. And essentially what I heard coming from those three dealers were they had agreements that they required the farmer to, to, to sign in terms of accepting, accepting liability. Now, that product's a bit unique because the only way that product operates is if there is a human in the field operating the combine, okay? And that's the autonomous grain cart. So that's a little different scenario than what Deere has announced because from my understanding of the press conference, the farmer takes the tractor to the field, initiates the autonomous operation, then the farmer leaves the field. And, and so, again, I think it's kind of an inter interesting incremental step. I'm also well aware that OmniPower product, which was the dot coming out of Canada that uh, Raven purchased and, and now is being marketed, that's beginning to uh, gain some market acceptance. And, and so, I know there's one of the dots operating in the state of Ohio, if I'm not mistaken, with one of our retailers applying fertilizer. I just think it's an interesting time that these, um, at least the two products I've mentioned with uh, Raven, are being accepted in the marketplace. And, and, you know, deer may be testing the waters in some respects to see what their, uh, their customers are looking for in the way of automation. With CNH already having Raven and OmniDrive now, what does Deere's autonomous tractor mean for the ag equipment industry? Well, I, I think if you talk to Deere, that they would that they would say that they have some some developments that are ahead of of where CNH is at. And you know, I don't know enough about the internals of what Deere is doing versus what what CNH slash Raven is doing. So I'll put that one to the side because it'd probably be inappropriate for me to comment on that. My take-home message: When CNH bought Raven. And when Deere bought Bear Flag Robotics and Blue River, it tells me these companies are serious about automation, okay? It used to be that automation was being done by venture-backed startup companies. And, and I think Deere announcing the autonomous ADAR tractor really means now that automation is becoming mainstream. I think the real question will be is what is the market penetration of Deere's product offering? In other words, um, five years from now, if you will, what percentage of the ADAR tractors are being sold in a fully autonomous version? And I think that's the question that a lot of these manufacturers are struggling with. Um, they know automation is here. They, they know uh, if they're not automating their equipment, they may be at a, a decided disadvantage in the marketplace. But I think largely uh, the marketplace is being tested right now with some of these new product offerings. The other thing I'm going to say is maybe this is fair, maybe it's not. But with the labor shortage right now, especially in rural America, especially with 
um, being seasonal in nature with a lot of these producers, some of these products might look pretty attractive to them. You know, I'm reminded of those three dealers that were talking about AutoCart slash OmniDrive about saying the one farmer that they partnered with said, no, this isn't for me, it's only for the big farmers. And then at the end of that demonstration period, the farmer's thinking, hey, I can get by with one less person in the field when I'm harvesting. You know, that's starting to come home. I know here in the state of Ohio, we had a farmer offering to, to pay $30 an hour for a grain cart operator, okay? And, you know, that kind of tells me that um, this labor shortage problem it's not perceived, it's real in, in rural America. And, and so automation may be getting a foothold or maybe viewed in a different light because of that labor footprint. And there you go, the top three most listened to podcasts of 2022. Jim Steinke, Sam Christensen, and Scott Shear, a cavalcade of stars. And special shout out to Michaela Paulkner for conducting those interviews. Happy New Year, we'll see you in 2023. I'm Noah Newman. Have a great day.